And welcome to another episode of the Illini Cast. I believe this is episode 38. That's crazy. Uh, you know, we appreciate all the growth that we've had on the channel. This is, uh, there's not a lot of Illinois content out there. So we're just trying to spread the word, spread the name. Uh, you know, moving forward, there's going to be a big, you know, power to movement. And I just, we just kind of don't want Illinois to be left behind. So what I mean by saying this random statement off the top of my head is if you are an Illini fan, please, if you don't mind, share this over to your group chat from college. Uh, you know, share it to whoever you think might be interested in Illinois content, because that's the only way this channel grows. This channel will grow. We need some subscribers. The YouTube algorithm kicks in. So if you don't mind, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button if you like this content. If you don't like this content, still hit the like button, still hit the subscribe button. That'd be much appreciated. Uh, you can find the Illini cast on your favorite podcast channels, whatever it is you might like. Uh, you can find us there at Illini cast. Again, we try to be your go-to destination for Illinois sports, uh, mainly basketball and football. Um, today's episode, we're going to kind of talk a little bit about football. I know it's been a while. Uh, unfortunately, the Illinois football season has come to a conclusion, uh, a disappointing conclusion, and there's not a bowl to discuss, but there's something, dare I say, more exciting going on. Uh, it's transfer portal season, and transfer portal season has really changed the outlook of what college football is, and you can kind of see it going on right now, you know, all your social media, it's, you know, Nebraska this, Ohio State that. We're going to talk about all of that later. I figured we'd kick, stop, kick, off, kick it off and talk a little bit about Illinois football first. Uh, we all know Reggie Love left uh, earlier, uh, I think even before he announced, uh, uh, before the transfer portal opened, he announced that he was leaving. He hasn't been replaced. I don't know if he's going to be. Again, he's he was a good uh, Big Ten running back, but in my opinion, the running back room at Illinois is probably the strongest one that we have. And I just don't know if we have the carries available to an attractive option coming in from another school, especially with Caden Fagan, Aiden Lawfrey, um, Josh McCray still there. We just have a lot of young guys who with a lot of upside and, you know, assuming they can stay healthy. I just think our, the running back room is probably the one room we don't have to worry about. Uh, the law firm has have both officially announced that they're going to be leaving for the NFL draft. Johnny Newton is uh, projected to be a top 10, top 15 pick, depending on where you look. Uh, Keith Randolph, uh, he's got a third to fourth round projection. So, you know, they're going to move on. Uh, I totally understand. I Do I wish Keith would stick around another year longer? Sure. But, you know, I know when you're 23, 24 years old, sometimes you're just ready to move on and do something else. And if, if he knows he's going to be on an NFL team next year, maybe it's just time to, you know, take that extra step. In his place, we've brought in uh, Clay Patterson from uh, Yale, I believe. He's a defensive lineman. Uh, he was one of the first commits that we had from the transfer portal season. Uh, he was an All-American. And from what I've read, again, I don't do any scouting myself. I don't watch videos myself. You know, it, it's basically I get feedback. I have a, a couple people inside the athletic department that I talk to every now and then. And then I have some athletic directors who I became friends with through my other career. Let's put it that way. And so Patterson, apparently, you know, he has a, a, a all Big Ten ceiling depending on if this coach can get them there or not. He's not Johnny Newton. I don't know if we're ever going to see another Johnny Newton in the next 10, 20 years. So 
set your expectations, but this is a guy who the Big Ten staff is super confident, uh, can come slide right in and uh, become a solid defensive line, which is kind of what we need right now. Uh, you know, because I didn't even mention Seth, Seth McConnell. He is gone as well. So we have a lot of replacing to do uh, uh, at that defensive line. We did just also get a commit this past week from Aniche Sledge. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. If I'm not and you're watching Aniche, I'm so sorry. I, I you know, I'll work on that. But uh, he's a former three-star recruit from Auburn. And from the scouting report I got from him, and I think I read a little tidbit from Jeremy Warner from uh, 24-7, um, he's a guy who Auburn didn't think that they'd really have time for on the field because he was just rated a three-star, and these SEC schools are kind of used to ha- you know uh, running out the four or five-star guys. But he has considerably grown in his two years off the field, and he's a guy that they project could be an impact player in about two years. So... He's someone who is I'm, you know, somewhat uh, excited to see, and someone who could be one of those guys on the defensive line. The main guy we're kind of w- waiting on right now is Isaiah Washington. Uh, obviously, you, you know, if he stays one more year, he's going to basically obliterate every Illinois wide receiver record that we have. Um, the feedback I've gotten uh, from what I've been told privately is that he's gotten that second and third round grade. And if that's the case, I think it's going to be very hard to keep him. Um, and if that's the case, I, I would also just tell him, you know, go ahead and make the leap. But should he make that leap, then Illinois is going to basically be in a dire need to find a replacement for him in that transfer portal. So that's something to kind of wait and see on. You know, you figure Isaiah is going to at least go through the draft process, try to you know talk to the right teams and see what he can do. And then ultimately it's going to be up to, Brett Bielema, Illinois, and ICON, uh, Illinois' NIL initiative, to see if we can come up with a sort of package to keep Isaiah Washington in the blue and orange. Uh, I, From what I'm gathering, Chase Canada, a cornerback, uh, is going to be make a three-star cornerback, is going to be making an announcement on Saturday, and he looks like the Chris Balls are all favoring uh, Illinois. Um, Cornerback is another room which is going to need a little upgrade because one of our starters, Paz Nicholson, as some of you know, entered the transfer portal and uh, recently uh, announced his commitment to Ole Miss. Now, Taz, you know, he's been a starter for a couple of years now, and he, he's a good cornerback, but he more than doubled the second uh, highest uh, defensive back in the Big Ten in penalties. Uh, there was a lot of times where it seemed the opposing team just knew to kind of launch it in uh, his direction and Taz would make some sort of mistake and there'd be an automatic 15 yards. Uh, we all remember the Northwestern game. Did he spit on the player? The rest say he did and he got ejected from the game. Uh, he insists that he didn't. But uh, I think Illinois fans were just kind of ready to move on and see who else we have in that cornerback room. Um, Brett and the staff, like, They've been recruiting the hell out of that room uh, just based on Devin Witherspoon, Quan Martin, Sidney Brown, you know, using those stories. And so now it's going to be a matter of, you know, we're going to have to bring in a transfer for one of those starting cornerback slots. But, you know, at the same time, you've been recruiting for two years now. Let's have one of those younger guys be able to slide in and do what a Brett Bielema program essentially uh, does. 
not the most exciting names, I know. And, you know, uh, very shortly, I'm going to bring on a very special guest and we're going to be talking about names that are kind of household to the modern college football uh, fan. But, you know, that's just kind of where Illinois lies in all of this right now. You know, uh, most of our NIL funds are directed towards the basketball program. Some will say, you know, that's well-deserved. Our basketball program has had a more historic success. Um, I I hope things change. I think, you know, we have a very good foundational coach. And I hope that, you know, Illinois fans and alumni start buying in. They, you know, again, we had a special episode with uh, Kathleen Kennedy from Icon, the CEO of Icon, where we kind of talked about how you can help with as little as $25 a month to kind of start building a little, you know, this is probably a word that no one's going to like me saying, but bankroll to try to uh, be able to recruit the four or five stars that some of the other guys that uh, we're going to be talking about later uh, are recruiting. So if you wish Illinois was involved with some of the names we're about to talk about, you know, again, tell your friends, um, you know, try to support the program. Uh, be there for the football games, uh, you know, not just basketball. I know basketball is where we're, you know, historically better, but I really think that this football team has potential. Uh, we're moving into a brand new Big Ten, which, uh, you know, it's going to be arguably the most exciting league moving forward. And we just, we don't want Illinois to be forgotten about. So get your friends together and, uh, you know, support the program in whatever ways. You know, Not everyone has money, and I totally understand that, but, you know, it's just, Give what you can give, whether that's through financial means or, you know, going, you know, watching on TV, getting our TV ratings up, whatever it might take. But uh, that's enough of my rant. Uh, now I'm going to be bringing on uh, the world famous, dare I say, Big Ten Ted, uh, one of the hardest working men uh, I've been had a pleasure of seeing over last year as I'm starting to work on this field. Uh, thanks for coming on, Big Ten Ted, or can I just call you Ted? Just Ted, just Ted works. Um, yeah, it's great to be on here. Um, it, it's great. Like you kind of said earlier, it's great to have uh, kind of an Illinois voice where there's maybe not as much, you know, you got, you got Michigan podcasts till, till the sun doesn't shine anymore, Ohio state and everything else. Uh, and this kind of goes back to being a part of the big banter um, network uh, that you guys are in where there's shows and podcasts for every fan from, from Illinois to your buddies across the state at Northwestern to every, to, to, to now in 2024, from sea to shining sea. So, so it's great to have uh, this type of content that you guys are, are putting out. Uh, before we start, I advise all my followers, anyone who's watching this video, if you've not seen this gentleman before, Big Ten Ten, find him, find him on YouTube. Uh, he's, he's thrown out qu high quality content almost every day, it seems like. And uh, he's one of the few content providers, which I've noticed uh, has also focused on the four new schools coming in next year. So. For a guy like me, who's trying to learn about our new neighbors to the West, uh, I've always been, you know, I think uh, Ted sees me in his uh, chats on Friday nights every now and then. I try to throw him a question. You know, he's, uh, he's on a local radio station. So please give him a follow. And uh, by the time the show is over, hopefully you'll be able to see that uh, Mr. Ted knows exactly what he's talking about. Um, but, okay, you know what? Uh, Ted, let's start off talking about, uh, you know, again, we're going to kind of go over some of the big stories going on uh, in the transfer portal, at least when it comes to Big Ten teams. You know, I have a smaller focus on Illinois, but uh, you can probably 
provide a little broader overview, um, if that's fair to say. Yeah, a little bit broader. Um, you kind of mentioned, you know, first of all, you kind of mentioned Illinois, of course, they're trying to stack back up on the defensive line. And, and that's where they went immediately right away, uh, like they needed to, like, even this past year for the Illini, it was it was tough, you could see back there in, in, in the back in the secondary, right after losing Brown after losing Witherspoon and all those guys that took a hit back there. Now this year, it's going to be those guys on the defensive line. But as I look across this conference as a whole, as it pertains to transfer portal season, and first of all, first thing I want to say is remember in college football when after Thanksgiving weekend, we would take two or three weeks off and there'd be no news at all. Maybe a little bit of recruiting, you know, because signing day used to be what, the first uh, Tuesday in, fe in February. Maybe you'd hear a little bit of recruiting news. But now it is immediately after uh, these conference championship games and even after those uh, Thanksgiving weekend rivalry games, kids hitting the portal, recruiting happens immediately, and now you got early signing day. Uh, but, but as we kind of look across the Big Ten, I think a lot of teams right now getting a lot more aggressive because I think they know what's about to happen out west. Look at what Oregon's been able to do on the offensive side. Look at what Washington, look at what USC. I know the Trojans had a little bit of a down year but you've probably got the best offensive mind and developer of quarterbacks on the other uh, on that sideline in Lincoln Riley. This thing's about to change. I'm not I'm not saying these teams are going to come in here and they're going to get all these great transfer quarterbacks and they're going to light it up and, and Big 10 teams in, are going to be left behind the current footprint. That's not what's going to happen. I always thought teams needed to meet in the middle. Uh, teams li like in Illinois, maybe like in Iowa need to get maybe more dynamic on the offensive side. Teams out West maybe need to get a little bit tougher, need to get a little bit beefier um, in the interior, on the lines. And I think you're seeing that in the transfer portal uh, really so far. But I think the big big headlines right now, of course, is quarterback, right? You've got three teams out West that are losing either Heisman Trophy winner or Heisman Trophy finalist. Uh, and those are some of the three premier destinations um, down in SoCal and, of course, in the Pacific Northwest with Oregon and Washington, Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr., former Indiana Hoosier, um, kind of on their way out. And then Nebraska, man. Oh, man, it it is heating up in Husker Town. <laughs> it's, uh, I know we might dive into that uh, a little bit more, but it is it's getting crazy down there. Matt Rule is doing a great job, but I'll tell you what. They got some decisions to make, <laughs> and, and they're, they're, they're putting their chips into the center of the table. Not just you know, any table, the Riola family table. <laughs> let's just go ahead and start with uh, Nebraska, because, sure. yeah. uh, you know, I think that is, at least at the moment, the biggest story um, yeah. going on. Now, we are recording this essentially an hour and a half after um, it's kind of been announced that Dylan Riola, or sorry, Kyle McCord ha has decided to move on. Uh, from Nebraska. That's not going to be an opportunity that he's going to be uh, pursuing moving forward. So, you know, common wisdom would kind of tell you that uh, maybe Nebraska has gotten word from the Riola family that uh, the five-star quarterback is going to be enrolling there. And uh, Kyle McCord, you know, may not want to battle for that position this year. You know, there may be a, a promise. Uh, Ted, your thoughts? Yes, and I do have thoughts. I have many thoughts. I could ramble on this for a long time because this has uh, this has many layers to the onion and you keep on peeling them back and you find something new. It seems like ever since the news where multiple recruiting experts, multiple recruiting services 
said, yeah, we're crystal balling Dylan Raiola now to Nebraska. Ever since that happened, it seems like something new happens every single day. And oh, by the way, Donovan Raiola, the uncle and current offensive line coach, just got, what, an extension, about a 58% raise. So that's kind of, <laughs> that yeah. kind of plays into it uh, just a little bit as well. So I thought, because remember, Kyle McCord was crystal balled to go to Nebraska. It seemed like that's the way things were going about a week-ish before this Dylan Raiola news went down. And then this news kind of came up. Things kind of changed around at Georgia. Remember, he was originally committed to Ohio State last summer, decommitted, and then Nebraska was in it, right? He visited uh, Nebraska sometime in the spring, and then he ended up going to Georgia, moves down to Georgia to play high school football. And I believe it's the third different state that he played high school football in, originally from Arizona. I think there was somewhere else uh, before that as well. So then you get Dylan Raiola, and he's actually going to be visiting on campus this weekend um, at Nebraska. And a lot of people say, you know, you've got Carson back coming back at Georgia. Maybe he didn't think that was going to happen. A little bit more competition maybe in the room. That's been a buzzword as it pertains to Dylan Raiola. So I'm coming in. Okay, Kyle McCord's got one year left of eligibility. Uh, you've got Dylan Raiola. Perfect. Okay, Dylan Raiola has a year to learn the system, right? We saw it out west at UCLA. What happens when you throw Dante Moore into the fire right away? Injuries, uh, got benched. Did, didn't exactly do well. I know different kids can react a little bit differently coming out of high school, but I thought it was a really good situation. But then we hear the news today and the light bulb went on. The light bulb went on. Dylan Raiola, I think he wants to play right away. And he wants to be at a school where they are all in and recognize his talent. Here's the thing, and that's where I think we're at with Nebraska. I think he's the guy, right? And I think Kyle McCord said, Maybe the reason I left Ohio State is because Ryan Day said, yeah, we're going to have an open competition. We're going to look into the portal. We're going to look at maybe some options. If you want to come back and compete, that's great. But that's what we're going to do. Kyle McCord said, peace out. And then he thought Nebraska is a place that he could kind of come in. But then at the last minute, in comes Dylan Raiola. And he's ultra talented you watch his tape from his junior year from his senior year even further back than that this kid is as good of even his freshman year when he's still a teenager he will be as good of a quarterback nebraska has had possibly ever in terms of throwing the football they've had some good running quarterbacks the martinez kids of course you got to go back to guys like eric crouch scott frost tommy frazier um etc so that's they are pushing their chips like i said into the middle of the table i believe it's a risky move but it certainly could pay off and it's certainly an upgrade from heinrich harburg it's certainly an upgrade from jeff sims chubba purdy was probably the best of them all i still think it's an upgrade over over him but man you gotta give credit to matt rule if this is indeed how this thing shakes out for being the risk taker and doing what he needs to do to get the number one quarterback in the country to come to, of all places, Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> so let me ask you, because that was actually going to be one of my follow-up questions. You know, this is absolutely a huge risk. Um, you, if you're Matt Rule. Now, you have a guy who seemingly was ready to commit to you. He's proven on the college football field in the Big Ten that he yep. is, you know, let's just say, a good quarterback. You know, yeah, he's not C.J. Stroud. He's not Justin Fields. But you look at his numbers, 
you know, Kyle McCord has proven that he can play at a power five level uh, above average. Nebraska, you know, as you kind of alluded to, had arguably the worst quarterbacks room uh, in the country last year. They were led by a top 10 defense where if they even had an average quarterback, they would be going bowling right now. They'd be uh, preparing for a bowl game. Now, obviously, you've proven uh, uh, that you've watched more Dylan Raiola uh, game tape than I have. But as someone who hasn't watched the tape, for me, I wonder, like, to me, would I rather have a, a – you know, when I'm in this transit transition phase, like, would I rather have, you know, a former four-star Kyle McCord who I know can compete against the better teams in the country uh, in hand starting – you know, it'll be his second year, so – you know, you figure, you know, his, his sophomore year, he kind of got some of the jitters out. He kind of project a little improvement moving forward. Or do you take the legacy quarterback, you know, the five-star, as you said, the number one quarterback uh, recruit in the country and kind of play that risk, you know, moving forward to see if he's that guy who can really elevate that program like to much higher levels. I don't envy this decision for Matt Rule. I don't. Uh, th- this is tough. This is a tough one because we don't know, obviously, the behind-the-scenes details, but we can kind of put the puzzle pieces together. We can read the tea leaves, okay? Oh, Dylan Raiola's visiting. Dylan Raiola's is all of a sudden crystal ball, and now all of a sudden Kyle McCord is gone. Matt Rule's, I think, doing what he has to do to get the top quarterback in the country. Now, in terms of the decision... You got a great defense back there, and you got a good amount of guys, at least half of the guys returning. Nash Hutmaker and Ty Robinson are back in the middle. They played a lot of young guys as well. Matt Rule's done a really good job recruiting in a short period of time. So the defense, and you got one of the best coordinators in the country, uh, and Tony White, USC, was possibly after him before they hired DeAnton Lind out of UCLA. This is because if Kyle McCord is playing on this team, at Nebraska this year, I think they're in the Big Ten championship game. I really do. They beat Iowa. They beat Minnesota. You know, you, you go down the list. They beat Maryland. You know, some of these teams, you combine Kyle McCord with the Nebraska defense, and, and I still think uh, you get to that point. But here's what this tells me. If it were me, I saw Kyle McCord nearly lead Ohio State to an undefeated season, 37 yards away. They were moving the ball in that final drive uh, against Michigan. And look, I know it's not what Ohio State is maybe used to. It's not maybe what they're expecting. And you would take a drop down, of course, in terms of your weapons, your skill players around you. You go anywhere else except for Ohio State, maybe Washington as well this year, uh, you're going to take a step down. But Nebraska doesn't need, that's the difference between a place like Nebraska and a place like Ohio State. Nebraska doesn't need uh, a guy that puts up 3,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. They would love a game manager. Hold on to the football. That's all we need in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, And you have an experienced commodity out there. That's, to me, that is hard to pass up. But I can also see it from Matt Rule's perspective is you could have Dylan Raiola for three years. If Nebraska has goals to make the playoff, if Nebraska has goals to get to the Big Ten title game, and who knows from there? I know they haven't been to a bowl game in a lot of years. I know they've had uh, bad years and it's, it's crazy enough, 
right? People look at you weird when they say, well, this team could be a, a championship level team. But I, Matt Rule, I watched him on Pat McAfee this week, and I'm like, th this guy gets it. He knows where he wants to go. And picking up Dylan Raiola, uh, I believe, and investing in him, I believe, is, is the direction that he wants to go right now. And I, won't, I don't blame him, like I said at the top of this. It's a tough decision. If it were me, I'd maybe go with the proven commodity that you kind of put in Nebraska had a lot of injuries, offensive line, skill positions. So that kind of plays into kind of their five and seven record as well. But I would go with the proven commodity. Maybe I try to make them both work. Now, one thing you also have to remember that happened today is they had a high three-star, low four-star quarterback in Daniel Kalen out of the Omaha area, Bellevue West, a really good program out there in Nebraska that they were pretty excited about. I forgot which service. One of the three services bumped him up to a four-star, uh, I think, before his high school season started. So they were really high on him. They really liked him. A McCord to Kalen transition possibly could have worked as well. And now Daniel Kalen's taking a visit to Michigan State. So you're losing out on Kyle. You're losing out on Kalen. This, these are the risks I think that Matt Rule needs to take if he wants to get Nebraska to that very next level. Not saying that they couldn't get to a similar level with a Kyle McCord or a Daniel Kalen, but th this is something I know there's a lot of opinions and there's a lot of uh, kind of people going back and forth on this subject, and it's fun to listen to and fun to hear. Let's see what happens a, a year down the road. Wherever Kyle McCord ends up, I know Rutgers has maybe been thrown out there, former Minnesota quarterback Ethan Kalik. Manis is visiting there that, this weekend as well. But I want to see what happens one year down the road, right, with, with, with Dylan Riola. This thing might not be all sunshine and rainbows. I mentioned Dante Moore at the beginning of the segment. Five-star, can't-miss guy out of the Detroit area. He was committed to Oregon. Kenny Dillingham makes his way down south to Arizona State. Now he flips to UCLA. He could be headed back to Oregon, <laughs> by the way. Uh, that's just an example of Nebraska fans. Okay, that's just an, an example of what we could maybe see. If it's Riola, man, watch out for 2025. Watch out for 2026. Maybe this is Rule putting a plan, a three-year plan together. We've got a three-year goal to get to the playoff. We've got a three-year goal to, to get to the Big Ten title game. This is this is a big decision. This is going to be one of those decisions that we look back on multiple years from now. Is Matt Rule still at Nebraska? Because if this whiffs, he could be gone in two years. He could be gone in three years. If this connects, he's the greatest coach on earth. Like, there is no middle ground, right, for this. There, there is, it, that's the way I see it. There's no seven and five. There's, there's no, it's, to me, it's like 10 wins, or five or six, it's it's home run or strikeout. Uh, it, it appears with this move, and, and they're hoping they, they certainly hit a home run. That's kind of how I see it as well. It's uh, I think what pushed it to the Riola uh, side is the fact that he's a legacy quarterback. Yep. And it's hard, you know, you know as well as anybody that the Nebraska fan base is as passionate and yes. as rabid as uh, as there is. Period. So with you know, his family having, you know, uh, parts of the uh, program named after them. Um, Kyle McCourt could come in and be a good quarterback, you know, and you, he could lead you to nine wins. He could lead you to 10 wins. But 
if Dylan Rayola went, you know, continued to go down to Georgia and yep. he won a comp or he won a national championship down there, he won a Heisman down there. There's going to be a lot of, you know, uh, there's going to be a lot of Husker fans who will still be angry at rule for not having that five-star gift wrap to you and not going with him. So I think ultimately, you know, I think I would have sided with you. You know, I probably would have rather taken uh, McCord and then transitioned him to Kalen. But the legacy factor, it's got to matter because a lot of these older Husker fans, you know, saw his dad. They yeah. know his uncle. So uh, I, I think that's, you know, I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, you know, I, I texted a couple Nebraska folks and because I was just curious about I mean, wait. McCord, Rayola, what's going on there? And I just got like a three-sentence response back saying um, the donors are all in on rule. They yeah. like what they saw in that first year. And, uh, you know, they basically opened up the bank for him. And you can kind of see it. Like they're involved with, you know, Julian Fleming, who we haven't even talked about. Uh-huh. You know, another top-rated wide receiver out of Nebraska. Or out of uh, – he's coming from Ohio State. So – Watch out for him, though. Uh, Watch out for him now because this Kyle McCord thing fell through. Not saying he won't go to Nebraska because he still could. But, you know, from my point of view, from the Big Ten point of view, I'm happy if I'm – I know this is a really weird connection, but it is a connection. Uh, As a Penn State fan, okay, if I'm a Penn State fan, I'm loving Dylan Raiola right now. Because Julian Fleming visited Penn State. I think it was at the Penn State basketball game uh, this weekend. And they need wide receivers to really take that next step up to get to the Big Ten title scenario. There's That's the thing about this transfer portal. There's a lot of ifs and then. There's a lot of last-minute decisions. Oh, well, now you have your quarterback? Well, now I'm going to go somewhere else. Wait, I was going to bring Julian Fleming with me. Oh, well, he's not going to Nebraska. Now I'm going to Penn State. Right. So there's a lot of dominoes that fall in a certain direction that kind of veer off uh, in another direction. So there's a there's a potential that Kyle McCord, Daniel Kalen and Julian Fleming uh, could all not be in Lincoln, Nebraska, just just with one uh, one swoop um, uh, of the of the Dylan Riola recruitment right now. Uh, speaking of dominoes, uh, I, I feel like the biggest domino yet to fall is that Ohio State quarterback position. You know, we, we yep. talked a little bit about uh, Colin McCord uh, moving on. Um, what kind of names have you heard? Who do you think might be a good fit? Because, I mean, if you think about it, with the recruiting, the wide receiver recruiting classes they have every single year, you have to imagine that once that spot opened up, even quarterbacks who weren't planning on entering the transfer portal may have all of a sudden, you know, their ears perked up a little bit. And, you know, we just had, you know, a gentleman go on the transfer portal today who you might be bringing up. Like it's uh, yep. uh, like, what do you, what have you heard about the Buckeyes quarterback situation? Well, you, you kind of, yeah, I said that the exact same thing early in the week there, there's two and they're open this year. There's two quarterback uh, positions. There's two schools where when they open up heads turn, not only of kids that are in the transfer portal, but are kids that haven't declared to go into the transfer portal yet. It's USC, like look at their track record that Lincoln Riley had going all the way back to Oklahoma. And it's Ohio State. I know Ohio State quarterbacks haven't panned out especially well at the NFL level. Uh, Justin Fields is getting better. 
Um, I, I know you guys would love to hear that. <laughs> but uh, but uh, when I look at Ohio State, you look at their track record and the offense, and you mentioned the wide receivers that, that they play with right last season. Ohio State signed three of the top five wide receivers in last year's recruiting class. So just because Marvin Harrison leaves, just because uh, Ameka Buka leaves and Julian Fleming leaves, doesn't mean that they're not going to be loaded next season. So Ohio State was one of those positions. Now, here's kind of how it went. Okay, we kind of talked about how maybe it happened with Kyle McCord and Ryan Day. And then the next domino was, oh, let me go back a little bit. Last weekend, Riley Leonard, the quarterback from Duke, he visits Notre Dame. It looks like he's going to commit, crystal ball, that kind of thing. And then Ohio State gets involved at the last minute. And that's, I think, people were kind of waiting. You know, he was crystal balled after that visit weekend. What's he waiting for? Right? A lot of things when you get a really good visit and it transfers. Uh, they usually commit uh, afterwards, but Ohio State kind of got into the mix. Didn't work out. Of course, Riley Leonard ends up going to Notre Dame. Cam Ward has been kind of thrown out there as well, but Cam Ward did not reciprocate, right, what Ohio State wanted. And and that, that was, I know it was kind of mentioned by some people out there. Uh, that was my original prediction, right, that I put out on Twitter a, a week, week and a half or so back. Boy, a lot has happened in a, in a week and a half. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, it just they just never seem to match. It seems like Cam Ward's going to go down south somewhere like a Miami or, or an FSU. And Washington was mentioned, but I don't know if that's happening anymore. He seems like he's going down south there uh, into the ACC. So now the big question, what happens next at Ohio State? What happens next? Okay, it seemed like, they wanted a competition. They wanted to go into the portal to make their quarterback position better, or at the very least, maybe a guy that fits the Buckeye offense and what they really want to do and how they want to open it up a little bit more. Because during the season, I think Ryan Day was a little bit frustrated that he could not open it up as much as he could with Justin Fields, as much as he could with C.J. Stroud. Uh, Kyle McCord did not have that running ability, the mobility uh, that they'd like to have at Ohio State, going back to guys like uh, uh, J.T. Barrett right as well, going back to the Urban Meyer era. I think that kind of Ryan was a little bit frustrated that he had to play Big Ten football, so to speak, run the ball and play great defense. Uh, so, you know, his, his play calling uh, maybe affected that. So now you got Devin Brown in there. You got Lincoln Kineholtz, who was a four-star uh, four top 100 type of guy in that room. Aaron Nolan, a lot of people are excited about him kind of coming in uh, this next season. But here's the thing, maybe except for Aaron Nolan, is Kyle McCord beat all those guys out. He beat them out in the quarterback competition. Now, mm -hmm. Devin Brown, it seems like he's gotten better since time has gone on. We're going to see what he has against Missouri coming up uh, in the Cotton Bowl just before New Year's. But then today, you've got Malik Murphy from Texas enters the transfer portal. He played a little bit um, uh, when Quinn Ewers was out this season. And he he's very talented. But uh, from, from what I've heard, he's a very raw talent. He needs to be developed, right? He, he did not play a ton um, of high school ball. Like, he does not have a ton of experience. He's one of those, um, he has a lot of God-gift ability, uh, you know, that, that he can just throw out there. You know, we, we all played with those kids in high school where, uh, you know, whether it's on the field or in the classroom, I don't need to study. I can show up to class. I can get a 98% on the test. We've seen those kinds of kids where they're a star in the football field, but they can just pick up a basketball and average 21 a game, right? Malik Murphy is that kind of guy where hasn't had a ton of experience. He kind of comes in and he learns it really quickly. So 
Is he a guy, Ohio State? Is that an upgrade necessarily over Kyle McCord and the rest of your quarterback room? It could be. It could also not be. We saw Malik Murphy kind of in spurts this season, not for a ultra extended period of time. You go through a season against Big Ten defenses for nine games. How does that all play out? But I do see the skill set that matches at Ohio State. I do see the mobility. I do see the down the field passing ability, right? Ohio State, um, they have, you know, in basketball, you live by the three, you die by the three. Sometimes Ohio State, they live by that deep ball, stretching the ball down the field, some of those deep targets. Uh, But even this season a little bit, but especially before this season, where that's when they really excel, where they, they can hit that deep ball down the field. I'm curious to see, because if it's not Malik Murphy, you go in-house. Now, you got some good options. Do you have a home run, can't miss, great option? Who knows? That's why this Cotton Bowl is so big. Devin Brown, more mobility, right? They used him in some short yardage run packages this season. That's going to determine a lot. Now, they might have to make a transfer portal decision before then uh, on Malik Murphy or maybe some other guys um, involved in the portal right now. This thing is ever-changing, as we talked about. So... That's kind of where it looks uh, at Ohio State next season. I I think they came in kind of like you and I thought, where when McCord entered the portal, they would have the pick of the litter. They'd have the Cam Wards. They'd have the Riley Leonards. They'd have the Will Rogers. They'd have the Dylan Gabe. They'd have everybody knocking at their door. They'd have everybody coming to Columbus, Ohio, and say, please let me be the quarterback. But Oregon's pretty good. Washington's pretty good. These are... NIL down at Miami is real good. Speaking of Ohio State, ask Justin Scott, the defensive lineman that flipped over there. And in his commitment picture, he literally has a stack of cash yeah, in there. Exactly. So so Miami, Miami has some dollars to throw around. And that's another big part of this. Ohio State, are they pushing NIL as much as they should? Maybe they need to just put a little bit more juice Uh, into that department but that's one domino here in the big 10 that i'm very curious to see how it's going to fall it's funny you know ohio state obviously is uh you know the top pedestal i guess you can talk about uh when it comes to you know the top domino falling and then you see their arch rival michigan you know i i think only one guy has transferred out and i I don't think i I don't think he's really a player of note i'm not trying to mean any disrespect yeah yeah. yeah, you know it's it's uh I don't think they've the people I've talked to. They haven't heard feedback from JJ McCarthy and whether he's going to be back next year or not. Do you think that it's a risky move on their end to not possibly pursue a guy you know who can come in next year? Uh, Michigan, for the most part, is going to be rebuilding a little bit next year. They're you know they're mm-hmm. they're a very senior laden team this year, and you know you you you, you kind of expect to maybe fall back to the ten wins, uh, especially with the much more difficult schedule that they have in particular yeah. uh, next season. What would you do with their quarterback situation? Do you just ride it out with McCarthy and then try to scramble if he decides to declare or dot, dot, dot? There, are, there were rumblings uh, of Dante Moore. Dante Moore is originally from the state of Michigan. Dante Moore has said multiple times, hey, I want to go to a place where I can be developed that maybe Dante Moore could transfer in city year behind J.J. McCarthy. If J.J. McCarthy goes, then he can just he can just slide it right in to that quarterback role. Michigan's an interesting one, and we talked about the college football calendar and how maybe it has some advantages 
And some negatives, this is a negative if you're in, you're in a playoff game. Because if you're in a playoff game, nobody's going to transfer out, right? You don't really have a gauge. If Michigan would have lost to Ohio State and they'd be in the Cotton Bowl like them, we could have already seen the decision on J.J. McCarthy. And then Michigan could really be a lot more prepared, maybe be more involved in the transfer portal market. But, oh, poor them. They got to play Alabama in the Rose Bowl for a chance to go to the national championship game. Uh, This is an interesting one because you got a good quarterback class, I think, in this year's NFL draft with the Caleb Williams uh, of the world and the Drake Mays of the world that are very highly sought after. If JG stays next year, he can be a Heisman Trophy guy. He can be a, a really high draft pick. But if he comes out this year, I think he can still be um, a top three rounds type of guy at the, at the bare minimum, right? Some people even mentioned him in the first round, uh, maybe later, right, uh, towards the bottom of the first round, but people have kind of talked to him in there. So if it's not Dante Moore and there's a lot of steam and a lot of smoke right now for Dante Moore going back to Oregon, kind of completing that arc uh, that he really stayed at, if that indeed happens, which I will say, good move for Dante, one year behind Dylan Gabriel, back in a system that you know and you wanted to go to originally, uh, I think is a good thing. But so Michigan, right? If it's not J.J. McCarthy, who's their backup? Former Indiana quarterback, Jack Tuttle. He's out of eligibility. So then you get down to Alex Orgy was kind of used in some run packages this season. You got a high four-star quarterback, Mr. Football in the state of North Carolina in Jaden Davis. We're talking true freshman, right? Okay. Nebraska might be putting all their chips in there, but at a place like Michigan, you don't start a true freshman quarterback. It's just, he's going to be good eventually, right? If things work out, but this is the conundrum. This is the pickle that Michigan and Jim Harbaugh are in. And then you got all of this and then you've got multiple NCAA investigations hanging over your head. What's Jim Harbaugh's future going to be? There are so many questions surrounding this program. I can almost guarantee you that they are laser focused on the Rose Bowl. They are laser focused on Alabama. And they're probably not thinking much about 2024, right? That they probably know yeah, we got to play the three good West Coast schools next year. Okay, we got to play Texas out of conference. We know, you know, Coram's not going to be there. Uh, all the uh, Roman Wilson's not going to be there. All these guys, they're not going to be around. So they know it's all in in this year. And like I said, the NCAA investigation has something to do with that. Um, this I even said at the beginning of the year. This is it. Just seemed at the beginning with all of these seniors, Blake Corum coming back, some of these offensive linemen that, that could have went pro uh, are coming back. This was a last dance from the very start. Jim Harbaugh flirting with the Vikings two years ago, flirting with the Broncos the last season. It just it just seemed like this was it. Okay, and they're going to take a little bit of a step down next season. And boy, as it pertains to to this team, yeah, it's uh. I could very well see if they if they don't get a transfer quarterback, and if you know if they kind of stay with the status quo like like I expect to happen you're probably going to take a dip for a couple of years because they had they had some good recruiting uh this year Jordan Marshall a really good running back uh is coming in there as well with Jade Davis they, they've done well on the recruiting front here they don't have to worry about that but with the Harbaugh leaving and all this stuff I could I could very well see the Wolverines taking a little bit of a dip uh, for a couple of years, especially considering uh, what what is going to be uh, in the Big Ten, but that's certainly something, certainly something to watch out for. Something not taking a dip, uh, in fact, the opposite is basically the quarterback rooms of almost every team in the Big Ten. I mean, we talked about Dylan Gabriel already committing to yep. Oregon. 
you know, uh, Will Rogers is visiting Washington, uh, I believe, mm-hmm. this weekend, and there's word out there that you know that's uh, just a match. Just it's a matter of time before he commits there. Yep. You have Dylan Reliola, you know, uh, presumably about to be the quarterback in Nebraska. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, Kyle McCord possibly moving a little east to Rutgers. There's going to be a lot of good quarterbacks in the Big Ten uh, next year. This is not something as a lifelong Big Ten watcher that I'm kind of used to. You know, it's one of those. I know where you're going with this. You know, it's just like, I don't know what to do with my hands, you know, from uh, Talladega Nights. It's it's one of those where, but it's kind of the influence of those teams from the West moving in here. You know, like the Big Ten that we've kind of grown old with and gotten accustomed to it's going to be reinvigorated, you know, and there's going to be a lot of adapting to do. And, you know, it's just, I think the future of the big 10 conference is as bright as it's ever been. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I posted this. This was the same tweet that I talked about my transfer portal predictions. And I, I had Gabriel going to Oregon, right? One for one. Uh, so far, uh, Cam Ward still on the board. I had Will Rogers to Washington and, and go look it up for the rest. And then at the end of the tweet, I'm like, as a 20 plus year Big Ten fan and watcher, I'm not sure if I can handle all of this quarterback talent. I, I, this is an offseason project for me, but, and we'll see on the portal. If, if we get chalk, if we get Will Howard to USC, if we get Will Rogers to, to Washington and kind of some of these other things go as we expect them to. I'm gonna I'm gonna do some digging um, in the in the from the BTT research department. And when is the last time we've had this type of quarterback talent in this league? I, I, I'm off the top of my head. I, I can't think of. If you look at Gabriel, great, right? He was a top ten in all statistical categories uh, this uh, this season. You look at Will Rogers, what he did under um, under Mike Leach, right, in those 2021 and 2022, put up big numbers in the air raid. You're going to have an offense, I think, that fits more to uh, him uh, over there with Washington and Ryan Grubb, Will Howard, right? You put, you put, heck, I could throw for 20 touchdowns under Lincoln Riley, right, Yeah, mm-hmm. at USC. Like, you put a most uh, capable quarterback into that USC system, it's going to end up good. Yeah, and, and then you look at Drew Aller coming back to Penn State with one of the more dynamic offensive coordinators in college football coming over to Happy Valley. Like, you, you've got a lot. You've got a Dylan Raiola. We mentioned him at, at Nebraska. J.J. possibly like, coming back. J.J. McCarthy. Like, yeah, th- there's a lot here. And that's something I'm very curious uh, to kind of go back and look at when it comes to quarterbacks. Off the top of my head, I, I can't think of anything that's been that stacked. And as you mentioned, it was the – it's the West Coast schools, right? You look at USC historically, like you go back to, to Carson Palmer, you go back to Matt Leinert, and you go to Matt Barkley, you go to some of these other guys that they've had throughout the years. And then you combine that history at USC with what Lincoln Riley has done at Oklahoma. And, you know, that speaks for itself. Look at Oregon. Okay, maybe it's not the same type of pocket type of passer quarterback that you see at USC, but look what just happened the last two years with Bo Nix, and then you can go even further back than that. They've had some great quarterbacks in the Chip Kelly era as well. Washington, when they made the playoff, right, 2016, Jake Browning, who just got an NFL start. Uh, you know, he was the quarterback there, and of course, with Michael Penix Jr. these last two years, if they get Will Rogers, I said this earlier in the show, people are going to have to come together. Like, the Iowas of the world, I know they're an easy target. I know it's low-hanging fruit. 
but it, it's 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 reality. It's reality. Okay, they, they're used to playing these teams. Six out of the nine games they play these West Division teams. For those watching on video, uh, now they're playing. Oregon. Now they're playing USC. Now they're playing Washington. They're playing Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and teams like that a lot more. Adapt or die. That's that's the phrase with this conference. Okay, things that's going to be a clash of styles next season. And this is one of the most anticipated seasons uh, I think that I've looked to uh, in recent memory because of because of the clash of styles. All the fans out West are saying, we're going to come in here and we're going to drop 50 on you every week. But then the, the fans in their current Big Ten footprint are be like, have you seen Big Ten defenses? We, we don't know unless they match up against each other. Right. And, and I can't wait uh, for, for some of these matchups. I know some of the tradition of, of this conference in college football is kind of being pushed to the side um, for, for, for TV revenue and all that. But... Uh, the suits, as much as maybe sometimes we don't like them, getting these types of matchups inside this conference, there's going to be a lot of people watching, and they're getting exactly what they want. They're getting a whole lot of interest, and there's going to be a whole lot of interest uh, with these types of matchups and these quarterbacks coming into this conference. So before I had you on, Ted, I uh, asked the folks if, if anyone had any questions yep. for you. And this is not really a question, but it perfectly leads into uh, my last question. Uh, for today. And Jake uh, Sumaraj, uh, at Astros Jake on Twitter, or X, whatever you'd like to call it, said, college football is the only sport where some teams have an absolute war chest to build a roster, while other teams have relatively nothing, and they're expected to compete at the same level. It's designed to only benefit those at the top. It's not like we're even playing the same sport. Now, for me, you know, as some of you know, like I, I live uh, about 25 minutes west of Chicago. So when it can't, comes to my pro sports teams, I'm kind of used to being the guy with the big war chest. You know, we play in one of the biggest media markets. So on the pro uh, side, you know, I'm kind of used to being the big brother who gets to decide whatever he wants to do. Moving forward, you know, uh, as um, I kind of started off the show with today is Illinois is, you know, and programs of Illinois tier, they don't have the NIL money, you know, the, the funds that, uh, you know, the Ohio States, the Michigans, Nebraska has had, you know, let's just, let's be honest. We've been recording now for 50 minutes. Thank you so much for your time. Yep. And for the most part, we've been talking about Nebraska, Ohio State, and Michigan. And that's because those are the programs that have the most money and are able to bring in the top talent. Those schools out West, you know, USC has a very rich donor base. They've got a very rabid uh, fan base. Oregon, obviously, they got Phil Knight money. These are three, you know, top 15 programs in the country entering the Big Ten. I guess my question is, you know, for, for the Illinois, for, you know, let's Purdue, let's just say the bottom third of what the Big Ten is going to be moving forward. How do you see... What kind of strategies do you think these sort of teams are going to have to do to adapt? Because they're going to have to adapt in order to survive. That's absolutely true. We talked about uh, adapt or die just a few minutes ago. And th that's another big question, right? We know how USC, Oregon, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, we know how those teams are going to do. They're going to be at the top more often than not. And now these West Division teams... Okay, like you said, the like you guys, the Illinois, you can throw Iowa's and Wisconsin's, 
possibly in there as well, right? Purdue's Northwesterns. Okay, before we got a path, okay, if we beat kind of some like-minded teams, kind of within our, our area, both geographically and, and talent-wise, we can make it to Indy and we got a one shot, who knows, to, uh, to, to win the conference. And now that doesn't exist anymore. So let me give you an example. Oh, actually, I got two examples. Let, let's start first with Rutgers. Rutgers, uh, Greg Schiano just got an extension uh, through 2030. And I have seen post after post after post from players at Rutgers, Kyle Manon guy, Tyreem Powell, Aaron Lewis, some guys that could have went pro, some guys that very easily, you know, Kyle Manange over a thousand yards on the ground this season could have very easily, you know what, Rutgers, you can't offer me enough NIL money. I'm going to go into the portal and be one of the most uh, highly sought after running backs in the portal. I could go to, uh, I could go to wherever I could go down, down South in the SEC. I could go wherever, right. Uh, and get a lot of money. But I think what Greg Shiano is doing is he's recruiting his type of guys for his program. Coming out of high school, they might not be the most highly rated guys. And he said this in a podcast this offseason with Adam Brenneman. I recommend everybody to kind of go check that one out because I was very intrigued and drawn in when he was talking about guys that fit his program and really what he wants to do. What does Greg Schiano want to do? He wants to be a tough physical team at the line of scrimmage. He wants to run the football. Are they going to throw for a bunch of yards in the season? No, because they're looking for a quarterback right now in the transfer portal uh, to try to fix that problem. Defense, running the football. And you've got guys that could easily have went into the portal staying in Piscataway, New Jersey. You need to build a culture. You need to build an identity. That's why it's so important for the young coaches of the world, for the Ryan Walters, for I know Rule and Fickle ha have a year under their belt as well, for Kurt Signetti um, over at Indiana, for Jonathan Smith at Michigan State. You got to establish with your kids right away, who are you and why should they stay there until graduation day or until they declare for the NFL draft? Because there are so many more opportunities out there for them. There's so much more money at some of these other places and it has worked the model has worked at a few places rutgers is one of those places you got to have these kids feel like they're at home you got to you got to sell to these kids that if you stay here we are going to develop you as good as we can like if i am a defensive player maybe anywhere in the country but definitely in the midwest if i'm a defensive player no doubt i'm going to iowa is iowa the place where a five-star kid looks to all the time? No, it's not. I mean, they've gotten, you know, as time has gone on, they've been able to, uh, Xavier Wampka was, was a, a four-star, I think top 100, top 150 type of guy there. But they get the absolute most out of all of their defensive players um, at Iowa. Look what they've done the last few years. You could even go further back ever since Phil Parker has done there. They develop a bunch of NFL players right you look at jack campbell and now you look at like jay higgins this year leading tackler uh in the big 10 in his first year like you gotta go to a place where you know you're gonna get developed and they have that strong culture iowa right I iowa's one rutgers is one now you kind of flow into the into the back part of that what happens 
How do you prevent an Illinois? How do you prevent a Purdue? How do you prevent a team like that from essentially becoming a triple A program? Uh, and it does start with their culture. It does start. I think Brett Bielema, all right, at, at Illinois, this is an Illinois show. Uh, I love Brett Bielema. He was put on this earth to do one thing and one thing only and coach Big Ten football. Uh, I think he does, has done a really good job with that. Johnny Newton could have easily entered the portal, could have easily gotten a bunch more money elsewhere. Keith Randolph, uh, probably the same thing, but, but it didn't happen. But it didn't happen. I think you need to build that strong culture from day one. And look, you might not be able to recruit uh, the biggest and baddest players, but you need to be able to develop like nobody's business. Like there's a kid. I'm sure everybody's got their eye on him. Dylan Thieneman over at Purdue. Okay, as a freshman, fantastic. Fantastic getting all these postseason awards. Good for him. I I'm scared for the Boilermakers. I really am because that's a kid they need to build their defense around him and Ryan Walters Ryan Walters and Kevin Kane over there I feel pretty strongly that they can do that but I'm worried that that after if he has a really good year next year that that he could end up transferring out but the disparity is going to be bigger and it, you know the commenter that kind of had the had the statement before was and it's a true statement it's a true statement it's um I if you want to compare it like a lot of professional sports Hockey, the NHL, uh, NFL, they have a hard salary cap, right? So if you're the Dallas Cowboys or if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, everybody's got the same amount of money to bring in on players. Everybody's got an equal, equal opportunity to sign the biggest free agents. It depends how you manage the cap. But I compare college football a little bit to more like baseball. Now, I know that baseball has kind of put in some you know, if you go over a certain amount, you kind of got to pay back in tax, that luxury tax kind of stuff. Look what just happened. Look what just happened with Shohei Otani. The rich get richer, right? Los Angeles Dodgers type of situation. I compare baseball a lot to college football where Yankees, Red Sox, Cubs, uh, um, Dodgers, you, you know, you kind of throw in those teams and then you kind of look at, I'm from Wisconsin, Milwaukee Brewers, right? What do you need to do? You need to develop players from your farm system, right? And hope they stay, hope they stay, you know, that, and, and have enough money, okay? NIL on the college side of things, have enough money that, that you're gonna invest in that player eventually when, when, when it's kind of their time. So there's a, they need to get creative. There's a model because like the Purdue's, the Minnesotas, all the, you could like PJ Fleck, he is begging and begging and begging NIL, NIL. If we want to keep Darius Taylor, we need cash from the Dinky Town Athletes Collective. Now they, they, they got their cash. He's coming back, but is that going to happen with every single player? I don't know. You need a good culture. You need a really good culture in place and you need a clear vision. Ted, I think you basically nailed exactly what I was going to say uh, myself. Speaking from the Illinois perspective, you know, ever since Brett took over, um, we haven't really had anyone leave the program who we're in too much tears over. And right. it's kind of, you know, because of what you said, because of the culture that Brett Bielema has built at Illinois. Like you said, Jerzon Newton, he could have gone anywhere uh, last offseason. He, he could have gone to the NFL. What he yeah. did is he trusted Brett and the staff to develop him so that he could, uh, you know, slot higher in the first round of the NFL draft. And from the looks of it, that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, Illinois' NIL situation is, and, you know, it's pretty much out there that Brett tries to, we don't necessarily have the funds to 
let me rephrase this differently. Because our funds are limited, we try to keep our NIL for the guys in the locker room. Yeah. We try to, right. uh, you know, both law firm members talked about how they had offers to make more money at different schools, but mm-hmm. they stuck around because they believed in the development that they were getting in that locker room. They th- genuinely uh, believed that Brett and the staff could, you know, make them a more complete, a better player for the NFL draft. Uh, a lot of folks, you know, are kind of complaining that Illinois is kind of focused on the JUCO level. Or, you know, the low three-star level, the guys who can't make it at Auburn. And those are the talents that we're bringing in. But then you take a look at our offensive lineman, Isaiah Adams. He was a JUCO transfer two years ago. This year, one of the best offensive linemen in the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be drafted in the NFL. These are kind of the stories that, you know, Brett has to continue to pitch. You know, we need to – I think bowl games are going to be super important moving forward, getting those six, seven wins so that just – you know, we as long as we can pr- prove that we can compete on the football field, we're going to be continue to taking on those developmental projects. But then, once we have some success and start throwing these guys to the NFL, that's when I think we'll be able to get more of the four stars, the higher four stars, and maybe at that point try to reach the next year. Right now, we just need to survive. Yeah. In my opinion. Well, that's the thing you, you mentioned. So you bring up some good points and you mentioned some good things as well. And those teams in the West, the, the Purdue, Illinois, you could even talk about some of the top teams in that division, like Wisconsin and Iowa, you need to adjust your expectations. All right. It's just, it's, it's just the fact of the matter. Okay. You don't have a clear path to the big 10 title game anymore. Even if it were 14 teams, these 14 right here, for those of you on video and there was no East and there was no West, it would still be an extremely difficult path uh, for for those teams in the West with Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State uh, right at the top. Now you throw in Oregon and Washington. Uh, Washington's a playoff team. Oregon's right there. USC will be there. Trust me, they have the backing. They're going to make it work. It's going to be extremely tough. Like for Iowa, for example, right? And I'm from Wisconsin, so I'm a Badger fan a little bit as well. We had expectations where we could we could win nine games, ten games. A Badger teams won eleven games, you know, and made it into the Big Ten title game. And those that's maybe for those programs what they expected. Hey, we need to get to the nine ten win level. Now it might be seven or eight, right? Considering who's in your conference and how the scheduling arrangement uh, is going to work down uh, going forward. Who knows? Two or three years, you might have Miami and Florida State. Okay, this thing ain't stopping. Mm-hmm. This train, this train ain't stopping. Uh, I hate to say that in an Illinois podcast because that's a Purdue thing, but right. <laughs> but but you get the general idea. Like this, you know, there there's more money, there's more TV revenue to be brought in with with brands like Notre Dame still out there. Who who knows what happens in five years when the ACC could come crumbling down, and you've got a team, one team alone that could maybe increase your t- TV revenue by almost double. Right. So this is not getting any easier uh, right now for for some of these teams at the bottom. So adjusting expectations and realizing it's not so much now is, well, we got to make the Big Ten title game. What do we have to do to have that one really good season where we can get into the top 10 in the country to possibly get us an at large berth into the college football playoff? And then once we're in, let's see what happens. Right. And now it's like everything is going NFL style. And now, like the NFL, you're getting hot at the right time. 
right? My hometown team, the Green Bay Packers, prior to losing uh, to the Italians, the, the New York Giants the other night, uh, they were a team that was getting hot. And believe me, I know 2010. Led by Illini but, quarterback Tommy DeVito. Let's, exactly, let's, uh, exactly. We got, a, we got a name drop here. <laughs> yeah. But I remember back in 2010 um, when the Packers got hot at the end of the season, they had to go on the road for every single playoff game. And they got hot at the end of the year and they rode it all the way to the Super Bowl and won the title that year. So that's kind of what you're going to see is who can get hot at the right time, who can have two losses, who can have three losses. Now it pays in many different ways to be in the Big Ten because the Big Ten and the SEC, no doubt, clear, that's your tier one. It's a power two. People are going to say power four. Don't believe them. It's power two. Okay, there is a clear resources advantage. I think you're really going to see it when these two TV deals, the SEC and the Big Ten deals, once they get to like 2026, 2027 in the middle of the deals, when they're both making around $100 million a year, that's when you're really going to see it. Because the Big 12 and the ACC, they're at a different level. Why do you think Florida State's trying to get out of the conference? Because they're a team that, let's call it as it is, should be in the college football playoff, a 13-0 team, and now, wait a minute, Purdue's making $100 million and I'm making 35 Well, that's not going to fly. We're Florida State. We're Miami, maybe on a little bit of a lesser level. Notre Dame has never really been worried about money. But that's a, that's a good thing for a school like an Illinois, like a Purdue, like a Minnesota. You're in the room. You're at the table. At the very least, you have the resources. And then you got to keep an eye on the future. This NCAA proposal from Charlie Baker, right, at the beginning of last week, where maybe NIL comes in-house, right, and everybody kind of has a, you know, for half of the athletes within the athletic program, you would have to offer a $30,000 baseline maybe it levels the playing field a little bit, right? If you if you have that just a little bit and you can bring things in-house, I think the leaders, NCAA and some of these conferences, they're looking for ways to level the playing field a little bit. That's why you said you just got to hang on for a couple of years and maybe in two or three years, we'll have federal NIL legislation. And at that, that point, the playing field is leveled a little bit. I think that's what people want. Even the power players in the league, um, see that and, and see that leveling the playing field is going to, it's going to make things even, it's actually going to help them right a little bit as well. So just hang on like that, that, I guess that would be my message, uh, to some of these programs, right? Know your culture, develop and hang on for dear life, uh, to see if you can get to that point in a couple of years where they figure this thing out. Now, all of a sudden we're on the same page and on the same level. All right, Ted, speaking of adjusting your expectations, if uh, you're a first-time viewer of the Illini cast, not all our shows are this in- informative and this great. <laughs> kind of uh, went off there for a while, you. didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, thank you so much, Ted, uh, for joining me today. I think, you know, we had some uh, very decent conversation. We went way longer than I was projecting us to go. And, uh, you know, I apologize that we only talked about Ohio State, Michigan, Nebraska. <laughs> If you're a, a watcher, a subscriber, and you support a different team, let me know in the comments, and I promise I'll have some content geared towards you guys moving forward because we're just here you know, uh, to provide the viewers what they want. Uh, Ted, if you don't mind, can you let the audience know uh, where they can find you? Yeah, uh, on Twitter, um, at Big Ten Ted, B-I-G-T-E-N-T-E-D, over there um, on Twitter, also on YouTube. 
uh, you know, type it in. It'll probably be one of the first things uh, that, that kind of pops up as well. Uh, got a lot, a lot of video. There's a lot of content here coming down the pike with, with, with uploaded videos. I try to go live once or twice uh, every week. Kind of depends on the schedule. Got bowl previews uh, coming up as well. So it's a busy time. It's a busy time. Uh, kind of over at the channel. So, so excited for all the stuff, excited for all the support uh, that's been given this year. And I'm just excited about December, man. It, it, it's a, it's a big time of year for any fan, right? Before we, you had to wait until signing day. Now, like at a school, like, like Illinois or some of these other schools, Michigan state is kind of one that's like, man, we got a new coach. We're going to get a great quarterback, man. I'm excited. Oh, wait, I got to wait nine, 10 months until we play another football game. So a um, lot of excitement in the conference, a uh, lot of excitement on the channel. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good December. I also want to mention that Ted has a new Discord. If you enjoy yes. uh, talking Big Ten uh, football, uh, you know, I'll post a link uh, in the description of this video. Uh, don't let me be the only Illinois guy uh, out there. Come on, let's uh, show some numbers uh, out there. But, uh, yeah, please follow Ted. Ted's, uh, you know, top notch when it comes to Big Ten focused uh, content out there. And uh, in, as I said at the beginning of the channel, if you don't mind, please give us a like, uh, subscribe. Uh, we're trying to throw out as much content for you as possible. And uh, that's it for now. Uh, Ted, thank you again. And uh, we will see you all later.